Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, how to talk to anyone, which by the way, gets 455 million hits on Google. Humans are social creatures and yet it can be mighty hard to talk to people. So here to discuss is my dear friend, Crystal Jones, who is the Associate Director of Major Gifts for the Los Angeles Philharmonic and who talks to people all day, every day for a living and talks them into making serious donations. Yes, this is in fact a superpower and a gift. Crystal and I have been friends since our Scripps College days, and I seriously refer to her as the universal guest because you can see Crystal literally next to anyone in the world, and that person will have a wonderful time. <laughs> Crystal says the key to talking to anybody and building relationships is shared values, strategy, and integrity. I am all ears. Welcome to the podcast, Crystal. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Barbie. Oh, see, I love... Hey, by the way, I'm dating the podcast, but it is Barbie release day. So um, uh, yes, and so that's how long Crystal and I have known each other. She's gets to call me Barbie. Um, okay, the cat's out of the bag, but I really wanna go back and talk to you now about your superpower. Were you always able to talk to anybody? So I think what the, the when I think about that, Barbie, what I think about is, I don't know if I was always able to talk to anybody, but I was always, I always had the desire to talk to who whoever was around and also to not be intimidated to talk to anyone. That's where um, my motivation to talk to people came from. So I think that that's really, you know, kind of where I think about starting. And I don't know if I'm able to talk to anyone, but I always want to be able to talk to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I want to talk more about the distinction. Um, I think that has to do with the, like one of the things that you talk about is you, you, you claimed this ability as a superpower. Well, in the world of that we live in, the su superpowers belong to superheroes, right? And superheroes have origin stories. Let's just go there. Oh, oh you are making my day. I knew I had to talk to you about this. Keep going, love. Didn't mean to interrupt. And so my origin story, as with all of ours, um, starts with my childhood, right? Growing up, I grew up and um, I grew up in my parents. We, my, my parental unit, we moved in with my father's sister and her husband and his younger sister. So two sisters and a husband. And so I was this little child living with all of these adults. And um, my uncle was going to Chapman College at the time. He was from the Congo and he would bring his friends over and they would party and just, and they were really sweet to me as a little kid. And so I was this only child living with all of these adults. And that was a very, that was my childhood. And sometimes I would, um, be spotted off in the corner with an adult person, you know, just talking and having this really great conversation. And so I think that, you know, what that gave me was um, the ability to understand, I, I was talking to people that had all this life experience and who had vocabulary. And so I got 
I got that from them. And that made me, I think, kind of um, interesting because I would be responsive in my conversations with other people and be able to, you know, say, oh, yes, I know about that because I had, you know, picked it up from someone else. Um, but it, it really came from being an only child and wanting to connect, you know, and my parents not being able to fulfill all of my communication and emotional needs <laughs> and verbal needs, you know about those. And so having to look for them in other places. And um, so I think that that's what gave me this, this desire and comfort level to be, to talk to anyone. Mm, I think it's significant because no one was telling you to be quiet. Yeah, no, no one was telling me to be quiet. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think probably then we couple that with a, a really wonderful, healthy curiosity and an interest in the world. Yes, that's right. I think that that I love that you said that because I think that that's what that inspired, you know, was a curiosity more so about um, people and their inner workings. Has there ever been a time when you were tongue tied? Yeah, I'm going to keep, well, tongue-tied. Um, I don't know about tongue-tied, okay. but there have been times when I've been incredibly disappointed at the limited, at what I call people's limited humanity. And Oh, describe. Well, um, for the listeners who maybe can't tell, I'm African-American woman and being in the fundraising um, field, uh, especially uh, my majority of my work has been at predominantly white institutions. And so the a lot of the donors that I've had to interact with have also been white. And um, that there's a couple of very wealthy and have lived a certain life, you know. And um, one time I was on the phone, I was in Santa Barbara working for one of these small liberal arts organization, uh, colleges that I worked for. And I called the woman to make sure that she was ready for my appointment. And she said, well, what are you, I, I don't know, I'm not feeling too well. What are you coming to talk to me about? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm um, a major gifts officer, so I'm in fundraising. So I'm coming to talk about some of the needs of the college. And she said, oh, are you raising money for the, all of those unqualified little black kids? And I said, well, um, first of all, I was, I was taken aback. Um, unfortunately, not stunned, but taken aback. And I said, well, I'm African-American and we don't accept um, students who are not qualified. And, um, and she said, oh, oh, well, I love the Mexicans, you know, and, and so that, yeah, that was really disappointing and sad to me that 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 would be so easy for her to say. But what I really appreciated was that I was like, oh, look, I'm black. Don't you know, you can't FYI, you know, and also we do not accept, you know, what I what I responded, I was I was really proud of. Another time um, that happened recently, I was in the concert hall. Um, where I work. And um, I went to say hello to a donor and she was kind of sitting a little bit above me and I was standing below her and she was happy to see me. And she looked out and she was smiling. She said, oh, it's so good to see you. And she reached out her hand and touched my hair like she ah. was petting a pet. Mm -hmm. And I um, 
and it's the third time that it's ever happened to me in my career in fundraising. And so, and I, and I just kept on talking about what I was talking to her about and I didn't know how to address it, you know? And I went and sat down to view the concert and I was feeling so many different feelings inside, mortified, anger, deep anger. And then I said, oh, I'm gonna ask her for a half a million dollars. Um, and in two weeks, I, I set up a meeting to ask her for a half a million dollars. She she did not, she eventually told me she wasn't able to do it, but it just felt like that's the way I was turning it around. But um, a couple of times that I've been tongue-tied that are a little bit more fun than that are with celebrities. I just have to say, you know, just full disclosure, um, I think you know this, Barbie, I'm a little starstruck, not only for celebrities, but for intellectuals. And <laughs> And so a couple of times I've been in the company of folks that I really admired. And, you know, early in my career, I had the pleasure of working with uh, Vanessa Williams and Babyface um, when I worked for Ramon Hervey. That was in our early days in the entertainment industry. You remember that. Mm -hmm. And um, and I asked Vanessa, I said, Vanessa, when people come up to you, and you know, say how much they like you. You know, what do you what do you want us to say? And she said, "You can just say I really like your work." And so um, that's what that's what I try to do now when I feel that tongue tiedness coming on. Mm. I want to go back for a second, Crystal, just to say thank you for your intense vulnerability there, and it actually also beautifully shifted the conversation to not where you start when you think about like how to talk to anybody, but literally you just demonstrated how to talk to anyone when you are put in such a difficult situation where you're not generating the conversation, you're reacting to, um, you know, hateful, hurtful language. Uh, so can we sit with that for a second? I want to figure out like how you learn, because one of the things you're doing, you are responding instead of reacting. Yes. So again, has that always just been part of you? Or do you remember like, or can just to help for people listening to get to that place where, because you did that in, in real time, you know, on yeah. the phone. And then the second time it was still real time-ish in the sense you just needed a few moments to work yeah. through. So how, do, what are your skill sets around responding instead of reacting? So you can continue to talk to anyone, stand in your, in, your own integrity what I really appreciate about your podcast, um, and that that took me by surprise when you shared with me that you were doing this, and and the podcasts that I've listened to have incorporated and integrated this so beautifully, is the personal growth part, because I mean, for us to just live and enjoy and have joy in this life, we have to. I believe, you know, that's one of my values is that you have to do the inner work. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes it's, yes, yes. And um, sometimes it's kind of foisted upon you and other times you can kind of just freely decide that you're gonna do it, but whatever, you, you gotta do it, you know, it's critical. One of the things that is, is critical to good communication and to, to being able to talk to anyone is being able to active listen you know, be an active mm. listener. Uh, I've learned this just through my own personal journey with um, a lot of things that I've wanted to overcome, anxiety that I wanted to overcome um, and uh, just fear. I mean, talking, raising money does not come naturally to me. Building relationships does, but not asking, talking to people about their hard-earned money and about what they want to do with it. 
So, um, you know, to get over that, I have had to utilize a lot of my, you know, I mean, I have a therapist and I do yoga and I do like, we just talked about our morning walks and I walk a lot of times without earphones, just me and nature or the cars on the street, you know, and um, just kind of going inside. And the, the thing that has allowed me to respond is because I do kind of take this stance. I, I'm very grounded in um, the moment in myself, which takes work. It's not like I'm just always grounded, but it, it takes intentionality. And I'm in a listening mode with all of my body. And, um, and so that uh, is really, I think, you know, a, a kind of a, a window into my, or not a window, but something that I start with, like my foundation. And also um, there was something, you know, communication isn't just about speaking, right? So that, that I mean, that goes with the active listening. Karen Osborne, <laughs> who is a, is a very well-known and beloved fundraiser in the field. She has her own firm and she's also an author. She writes these really great mystery novels. And she, when we'd go to conferences for fundraising, one of her sessions was active listening and it's really learning how to listen and, you know, just listening to people and not saying anything until they finish is a serious skill and it is a practice. I mean, you know, that's what you're doing in this podcast. So that commitment to active listening and, and also being grounded in who you are and having to practice that every morning, you know, practice grounding, doing, I do a gratitude list every morning that grounds me in the day. And sometimes I think about, you know, what do I want this day to look like? If I have an interaction, I want the interaction to move forward with ease, you know, and, and just being really intentional kind of about my approach. Now I want to pick up on the part about building relationships, which you said comes naturally to you. And it's such an important theme in the podcast because many people in the performing side have, especially in the last year, have talked so much about that was the relationships that got them the next job or propelled them forward or focusing on the relationship and the energy that you get from thinking that way instead of about getting the gig or making yes. um, is the, that change in energy and in the, for lack of the better, but it's like a win-win, we're in this together. There's a lot of, you know, empathy and connection that way. Um, I, I don't even know how I was supposed to end that sentence, but I want to go back because you just said the same thing. So that how does your natural ability to build relationships, and we could talk about, because you define, you know, I mentioned that in the introduction, how you define that, but how that has allowed you the in into separating people from not little gifts. Let's go back to your title, major gifts. So... One of the critical parts, uh, critical things to talking to anyone, especially in, you know, with some of the folks that might be listening, you know, these are going to be conversations that are professional or that we are having conversations with people for uh, strategic reasons, right? And, and it's really helpful to do as much research as you can on folks before you interact with them. And it, it, you know, Google them, find out something about them. And if there's nothing about them that you can find out, then you have to kind of start off with 
questions. It's so it's a lot of curiosity, and and you have to also be ready when you're talking to major gifts folks. You know, I, I'm going to give you an example. Um, in one of the jobs that I've had, small liberal arts college, one of the donors that I had been trying to get in touch with was one of the seven founding members of Microsoft. He and um, Bill Gates went to high school together. And this gentleman's um, child went to the institution where I worked and had graduated. And this gentleman had been incredibly generous throughout the years to the institution where I worked. And I wanted to see if I could meet him and ask him to give even more because we were having um, some initiatives that we wanted to raise money for. And I emailed him several times, wrote him handwritten notes and called his assistant and I talked to people in the city where he lived who said, oh, yes, he's really lovely. He's just busy. You should continue to try to get in touch with him. Well, one day I got an email from him and he said, I'll be in town when you're here. Um, would you like to go to this sports event? Because he was the owner of a team. And I said, um, yes, thank you so much. And that was that was all his email after all of these attempts. And so I, I went up where uh, to the city where I was and he picked me up. And as soon as we got in the car, he said, so how can I help you? And I said, um, well, we're raising about, uh, we're raising money for a residence hall and we need nine, nine and a half million dollars. And um, he said, well, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but um, maybe we can talk about some other things. And I was ready with that ask because I had had so many conversations with people before or a couple where people said, so how can I help you? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize they were going to ask me so soon because I was all trying, I was um, spending so much time trying to connect with them on their values and learn, you know, when you, when you grew up, what did you grow up with a philanthropic value? You know, did your parents give, is that where you learned to give? And with this gentleman, he was just right to the point. And I said, you know, and I knew that I had five hours with him so we could explore all of that. So uh, that's, you know, kind of an interesting situation. But it really is, you know, researching these people, finding out if they have given in other places and, you know, what there, there's pretty much something about everyone on Google. And then it's, when I'm sitting with them, if I have the, the pleasure, you know, with we'd never done Zoom before the pandemic. So most of my interactions with people were face to face. And I was able to um, kind of tune into their energy. And I mean, and that is one thing that is one of my skills and and is I'm I'm pretty empathetic. And so sitting with people and just kind of gauging where they are. And sometimes we'll, people will say, well, tell me what you need. And I start rattling, but I might say a couple of things and then say, how does that resonate with you to enter into the conversation? And then we begin, then I begin to pull out from them what their values are. Uh, but I'm, but I'm always really intrigued with starting with, you know, this is a relate saying to people, you know, I'm, I'm a fundraiser, but these relationships are business but they're also friendly and social and um and so i'd love to know how you 
became interested in this organization or what what do you value about this organization or you know with working at the LA Phil what what makes your heart sing about music um so some key you know questions just about them and their connection to the organization which allows me to then kind of go on the road about what their values might be Wow. Okay. This is such a gift because for anyone listening, and you may not have thought of this crystal and it, it, you know, and sort of my secret agenda here, but this is what people have to do when they go for funding for their project. When you're looking for money, you know, to, for your film or your TV show or your play or to invest in your business at whatever stage, these are the same set of skills and you've just delivered a masterclass and, and there are a lot of things that I joke about. One, you know, it's the core value for me or message is goal, audience, platform. So you know what your goal is, but you have to really get specific about who your audience is and what the platform is. So in your case, you had, you know, this one gajillionaire uh, sports team owner, and the platform was five hours one-on-one, right? And so it's like, how do I communicate with this person? And then the other truth that you just shared is the, you tends to be the wealthier, the, you know, cut to the, because they don't have time. You got 15 minutes a lot of time. I mean, you're like, you had five hours, right? Um, yeah. And the, the, But the other thing I actually also want to say that I've learned from another founder, other founders that you made very clear, but I think some people miss when they're going to raise money for a project or the film base, that it is a relationship. I'm asking for a check, but it's like, because if we're, if you're going to fund my business, we're kind of going to be in some kind of like, you know, uh, yes. multiple marriage now for like five years. Like, so we have, there has to be a relationship. And the same thing, if you're funding my movie and you want to have any interest or little say so into what happens with that, we have to understand it's like what kind of relationship. And I so appreciate you addressing that and then, and then helping and actually giving some people tools to like how to ask those questions, even in that, you know, when you have a brief conversation that it, it's not necessarily just hit play and do the do or do your, you know, your spiel. Oh, yes. You know, one of the things that makes me think about is a lot of, a lot of people um, ask me to, you know, consult with them about how to have a conversation with a donor, you know, about a certain thing, uh, you know, a funding opportunity or to engage their donors with things. And, it's really about that individual tailored experience. And in this case, about the success of the organization and the, the and but just by the way, he, um, 18 months later, he committed to a half a million dollar scholarship uh, for the college that I was working for. And he continues to give a six figure gift every year to the college. And I've, I've left that college. It's been many years since. So that was, you know, kind of a success. And I've had, you know, a few of those, but if you are grounded in your integrity and you are, uh, I think humble to the process of getting to know another person and you are clear about what you want the outcome to be, but you're not tied to the rigidity of how you're going to get to that outcome, mm. right? Then you can give yourself some permission to, to, to not, I don't want to say bumble, but to, to be really present. Mm -hmm. in the way the conversation uh, develops and evolves. 
and there are times when you can say, you know, this is, I, I, you want to be clear. You want, you want to, you know, have a sense of, of presence and confidence about yourself and about what you are raising money for and clear or what you're trying to get support for. But you also really want to be fresh and um, I don't know, how do I say fresh, but I, I don't want to overuse, but present in what they have to say and how that might make you think of something else and how when you tell them, oh, I didn't think about that or, oh, that makes me think about this, then you're allowing them to educate you and then that begins that relationship, right? And you also don't just want to hear from them and talk about your organization. You want to share maybe how you personally um, became connected to this organization. I mean, I think that that's what people in the entertainment business, when they pitch shows, they probably talk about that personal history. But it's important to, to just as much as we are asking people to, as we are telling people about the project and asking people their opinion that we share a little bit too, so that that relationship does begin to formulate. Does that make sense? Oh, honey. This is media coaching one-on-one. -on -one. I like. I just want to like now share this recording with everyone who walks in the door, virtually or real, because what you just said. It, it, we're now we've gone full circle and we've come back to active listening, because what you've just talked about is, and this is a really common thing, is we start with right. We have our talking points, we have our messaging, and and we know what we need and want to say and. What you've just helped because so clear on is you have to there that's important but you have to release the vice-like control that you have and your attachment to that because if you're so attached just to your messaging you're not present you're not active listening you're not being able to respond in the moment that's going to allow you get to the result that you want and you also have to get to your point relax the timeline a little bit because I'm a firm believer that it's not a no. It may be just like not now where we have to That's like good. contemplate or whatever. Yes. But uh, because everything is dependent on the exchange of energy and the connection. And so this happens a lot too, by the way, a perfect example, anyone listening is when you're new to this and you're uh, going to be interviewed or you're excited to finally, you know, get on the morning shows and this and that, and you become so attached to your talking points that you don't actually hear the questions that are asked. Exactly. Right. And the audience catches that, by the way, when you, you know, answer something that's already been spoken or you answer, you don't quite answer the question. It's just clear that you're not listening. Yes. And and it's like and that's not a win. And that's the no. thing that, by the way, that I'm going to remember about you. Yes. Wow. They yes. seem distracted. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I have had a lot, a lot of interview coaching too, because, you know, and so sometimes you do want to strategically take their question and take it in a way and answer something that you want to say and not necessarily their question. That too, well, that, okay. That's, that's media training 2.0. Um, we call that bridging or you're, you're just directing the conversation where you want to go. And that's when we get, yeah. you're naturally good at this by that. We acknowledge and validate the person who asked the question. That's so interesting. You know, I can understand why um, you may want to explore this, but you know, I want to kind of direct your attention over here, which yeah. I find particularly exciting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> wait, so wait, just for fun, I want to go back to the celebrity intellectual. Who's on your list of people that would, you know, make you go, ooh? Well, okay, another <clears throat> vulnerable moment. 
before he got into any political career, you know, I grew up loving Clint Eastwood. And so the first time I met Clint Eastwood, which was at a William Morris agency screening of The Unforgiven, I was tongue-tied, you know, and um, and I shook his hand. And then I remember thinking, oh, he doesn't have rough hands. He's not really a horse rider. <laughs> He's got some really smooth hands. But um, anyway, um, Darren Walker, who's the head of the Ford Foundation, I actually met him recently and I was just, you know, Elizabeth Alexander, the head of the Mellon Foundation. <laughs> She's another a little bit of a celebrity that I kind of have, um, you know, just love being in her presence and I've been in her presence and every time I'm like hi I you know I met you and she she's always very gracious uh, <laughs> okay now I just want to down to brass tacks going back to how we approach things how do you write out your strat do you write out your strategy do you rehearse do you practice do you you know download photos of people and look at them during the google research you know what is the um from we went from the thought process that you identified but what are the actual steps you take well, that's a good question. You know, so there's a few different approaches because there's people that you want to get in touch with that are completely cold. I mean, you you know they're connected to the organization or to the institution some way, but you don't exactly know how. Then there's people that maybe have been giving um, often and they've come to a couple events, so they're familiar with the organization. and um, And so that's a different kind of a warm market. And then there's those folks that have have been involved um, in the past at a very big level. And they, maybe they've kept on the radar, but they don't have an ongoing relationship with them. So, you know, there's no one, in, in my work, in major gifts, there's, there's no one plan, you know, for all. So with the very cold people, uh, that you have very little information on, then that's just a really, you know, I'd love to get to know you. I see you've been involved. Uh, it, it is, it, 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 I don't necessarily write out a strategy because I've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you know, it, it was, I would always send, the, the, the plan is to send an email and send an email and say, I'm going to follow up. And a lot of times, I mean, this is really, this is very valuable information, by the way. This is what people pay me for in my, my job, but also ask me like when I'm, you know, I have quite a few uh, relationships with people at nonprofit organizations, uh, sending an email that says, hey, just floating this to the top of your emails in case it fell through the cracks. <laughs> I got that actually from a website, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, so, so this, you know, the plan is really, to communicate with them kind of passively and then the phone calls and to, and then you can say, I've been trying to get in touch with you. You know, you've been generous. We thank you for your support. Always, it's it's always, you should always thank people for their connection, for, for making the time to meet with you if you're meeting with them in person, but for thanking them in the past and for saying, you know, I am working on building relationships that benefit this institution and then going from there. Someone who has maybe been kind of involved, then it is looking at what they gave to, you know, what interests them when they when they came to an event, what type of event it was. And 
actually asking folks in the institution, because I pretty much work in large institutions, if they've had interactions with them. So the institutional knowledge that might be there and then putting together a plan, you know, I'm going to reach out to them, uh, you know, a, about a, a, a three month plan to try to, to just reach out to people. A lot of my work is just trying to get people to respond back to you and then to connect with them. So it's-, it's That's not the entertainment business in a, in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Or yeah. sales now, this is incredible, Crystal. I mean, one, I'm also hearing that you know not to take it personally because when you describe how many times you have to reach out to people and so that you've built some kind of thicker skin or however you deal with the fact that you hear a lot of no's on the road to yes. So that's an important message. I also, as you were speaking, I want to ask you, do you do anything conscious or unconscious at this point to warm yourself up before you make that phone call? Yes. I mean, I, I do. I, most of my outreach happens on a Friday, on a Thursday or Friday at the end of the week when I'm kind of relaxed. And a lot of times it happens then because that's when I believe people might be looking at their emails over the weekend that are personal and not work related for their job. But yeah, I remember when I was at UCLA, I used to say to myself, they should be so lucky that one of the largest research institutions in the world is calling them to ask them to contribute to putting more research out there for the world. <laughs> I would literally say that to myself and then I would make the phone call, you know? So that, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and sometimes just talking to colleagues, you know, one of the things that's a real blessing at a place that has a that's a large institution is that you I I have the um the privilege to be surrounded with other people who do work similar to mine and so I can go into their office and we can have what is this is the work Barbie sometimes a half an hour to an hour conversation about one sentence that we're going to write in an email to someone my I, the the folks that I manage a lot of times, you know, I they come and they ask me a question and I say this is going to be about a twenty minute conversation. This is the work. You are not just we're not socializing right now. We're talking about the work and we will talk about what words to use. Okay, wait. I want to. I need to be a fly on this wall. I am so nerding out about this in the best way. <laughs> so, in a broad strokes. What are some um, sort of yes words or, or you know, even um, tenses that we use? Or if you can give an example of like how you could, you know, parse a sentence for an hour. It's not so much those types of sem semantics necessarily. Um, well, yesterday, for instance, my colleague said, can you read this email that I'm about to send? It was like a three, three pa small paragraphs. And the question she asked, or what she told them was she wanted to talk to them about building a relationship with them and what, what the impact of giving at this organization helps to increase our, our, like our artistic endeavors, right? And I said, we want to pull at people's heartstrings, right? Artistic endeavor or artistic operations is a little insider lingo. You know, so we want to say, you know, we want to build the joy of music 
for, you know, we want to use those emotional words um, that, that touch people as much as we think we can. I mean, artistic operations might get someone, you know, to, to respond. We don't know. So that is also part of a relationship is trying things out and seeing what resonates and what doesn't resonate. And just because someone doesn't respond that way, then maybe we'll try another way. But until they say, do not call me anymore, I am not interested, then we try seven times before we let it go. Okay, I could talk to you all day, but now I, I am gonna let you go, Crystal. This has been, again, total masterclass, so generous. <laughs> You're fantastic. I'm going to be listening to this over and over and over again and sharing it with my students and my clients. Thank you a million fold. This is amazing. So I thank you, Crystal. Now I want to thank you, the audience, my friends, for listening to Camera Ready and Able. I truly appreciate you. And if you are prepping for your big pitch, I would love to help you. Please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com, and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.